0: Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative, and our subject today is one that is very timely for us here locally, and that is the move that many municipalities are making toward 100% renewable energy goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to be clear, this podcast was scheduled weeks ago, but it just so happens that our city commission made some decisions last night about their move towards their renewable goals. So there's plenty for us to talk about. Um, The goal of this podcast is not to talk about any particular city project, but rather in general about why municipalities are doing this and what challenges and opportunities they face as they move toward these goals. So joining me today to discuss that are several illustrious guests. First, Amy Shamro, who is a city commissioner for Traverse City, and also a member of the Traverse City Light and Power Board. Welcome, Amy. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we're excited to have you. First time, Amy's first time on the podcast. We also have an old hat on the podcast. Doug Luciani is the CEO of Traverse Connect, which is the parent organization for our local chamber and Venture North. And Doug is also on the advisory board of the U.S. Chambers for Innovation and Clean Energy. Hey, Doug. Hi. Thanks for coming out and joining us to talk about this. Thanks
1: for having me back.
0: And of course, our trustee general manager, Tony Anderson, who is not only leading the ship here at Cherryland, but is also a vocal advocate for clean, affordable, and reliable energy.
2: Good morning. Happy to be here once again.
0: Here we go. So to kind of just lay the groundwork for this conversation. Roughly 30 cities in the U.S. currently have 100% renewable goals. And in June, the U.S. Conference of Mayors, which is a group of more than 250 U.S. mayors, approved a resolution supporting 100% renewable goals, and in particular, city-driven plans to reverse climate change. So I'd love to hear from you all why you think cities are taking such an active role right now in this particular area.
3: I can, I can start that off. Um, well, I think from a practical standpoint, if you look at where a lot of cities op- operate, we're having a problem nationwide of kind of uh, aging and failing infrastructure. And as we're updating all of that, it, going towards these renewable energy goals, um, making, you know, focusing on EO and um, all these other power sources only makes sense. That's the way the market is moving. It It's saving municipalities money and it's a kind of a common sense approach a lot of people like to politicize it but it's really a common sense numbers approach at its base Um, as far as the more um, you know political reasons or flashier reasons um, it's the way that the world is moving it's the way that um, new the younger generations are looking at how we deal with the earth and how we deal with our power source needs and um, it's a good stance to take Um, you know Better to come out as a leader than to wait until you're rushing to catch up and costs of change and other things like that and you've lost you've lost that dynamic that you can build on if you really get ahead of it
1: yeah I agree um, the uh, the economics of it make a lot more sense than they used to uh, that where the energy comes from uh, there's less local production than there was it before so if you were competing against yourself as a local utility you might not um, Encourage 100% renewable, uh, and also um, there's more choices available. So the cost of of the renewable energy has come down to, to where it's possible. But more than anything else, I think, especially in the urban areas, you're seeing it as uh, it's really a marketing hook for for the cities to attract businesses and talent. So there's a group called RE100. It's 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 a global initiative to. It's 100 of the largest companies in the world that have made a a commitment to 100% renewable energy. They've reached their 100 companies, and they're now going to try to get to 1,000 companies. That's a move that you're seeing across the United States. Most of those 100 companies are in the United States. So companies that are competing for major employers, economic impact, and uh, the talent that comes with them are, 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 are cities that are competing for those companies. What are really some of those
2: what are some of those businesses the one hundred that our mem- our listeners might recognize
1: you know i I don't have that whole list, but I know it's it's companies like nike uh, patagonia r e i the a lot of the com- companies that that match the lifestyle that we have here in in Traverse City and that have comprehensive social strategies I would call them i guess um and and certainly not in any pejorative way, but they're, they're, they try to be very family friendly, they're, they have on-site child care. they're 100% renewable, they're doing a lot of things that they see as, as sustainability issues for um, for their employees and for their company and for their their businesses. So, so then you see other companies that kind of are jumping on that bandwagon and not doing all of those same things, but they're saying, we're making a commitment to go to a 100% renewable and they start at 2% renewable. They say well, we're we're going to try to get there by 2050, know, yeah. So it's so they're try- It's 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 kind of like the old greenwashing that we used to see. Hopefully, that's not happening with the municipalities that make a commitment that to go 100 100 percent renewable.
0: Yeah, it's and then, and then kind of along those lines, Amy. I'm hoping so. It, the city of Traverse City set their 100 percent renewable goal back in December, I think, or late late last year, maybe early this year. Um, with the project you approved last night, it will take you from what you currently are, which is 10% renewable as a part of your, your municipal utilities load, to the city itself being 20% renewable. And when I talk about the city, I don't mean the city utility, I mean the city's electric meter. So the buildings that you own and operate and, and the services that that require electricity that you own and operate. Can you talk about... The conversations that happened at the Commission like how did you get to where you said this is something we want to do and what's your plan to get there to Doug's point as opposed to simply saying we think we should go
3: there sure well first of all I'm glad you made that distinction of this is the municipal goal Um, I know my brother lives in Las Vegas and when this discussion came up for us he said well I you know I just was reading about how Las Vegas is is 100% or working towards 100% and I don't know And he works at one of the casinos I don't know how we're gonna do that and I said well that's something that a lot of people don't understand is when a city says they're going to be 100% renewable, they mean their buildings and properties and and functional, you know, whatever's using the off the grid. It's not every resident and every business and everything else that's attached. Do we want to have, encourage people to? Yes, but that's that's not what this was. So, come from that, um, I know that this started when um, Governor or Governor <laughs> Mayor Carruthers was um did uh, you
0: just announce Mayor
3: Carruthers? <laughs> and with what's going on in the political climate right now, I, I want to clarify. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not uh, floating a website or anything like that to, uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, put yeah. people in races. There you go. <laughs> um, no, uh, Mayor Carruthers had been at a um, conference of some kind, and former mayor of Grand Rapids, Hartwell, had spoken, and he started kind of investigating how they did their initiative and brought us the um, – the the information and so we had the vote uh, I believe it was back in December or January and um, to be honest it's still a work in progress of how we're doing it it was something we wanted to do much like many things in government you kind of have that chicken-and-the-egg scenario so in this case it made more sense to pass that and then from there that be the directive to form a group to investigate how we do it. So we have what's called the Green Team and it's made up of um, representatives from local organizations, Light and Power Board, um, and some other people in the community that are involved. And we're working towards that. So some of it will be EO, some of it will be just efficiency and updating and um, other factors that will just bring our use down, period. And then the other set that we are discussing now, and as you mentioned, we made movement on last night, is also finding um, renewable energy sources for our electrical load, and so that last night we chose to go with a, Her- a project from Heritage. Part of what had come up in discussion in previous meetings was uh, a lot of us were very interested in having at least some of the renewable energy be, energy be locally produced. Um, you know, there's it's easy to buy on the grid and or buy off the market and and hook into the grids, but also part of it to a lot of us seemed to also be how can we make this a very local thing as well as um, writing that you know, agreement and signing on and kind of having it wherever it may be in the state or Arizona or wherever it might be. So obviously us up here, that doesn't make sense to go that far away, but but keeping it in the area.
0: So I'd love to dig a little deeper into that. And, sure. I, and I'd love to actually, and I'm gonna ask you this question next, Doug, but we'll maybe start with Amy. I, I, I get the same impression that you are saying that um, right now for the city commission, not all renewables are formed equally. So there is you're prioritizing different things. So if you had to say how you, you feel as a commission, you're prioritizing these things, local, mm-hmm. renewable, affordable, reliable, like how, how do they fall on the priority list when they come into competition with one another?
3: Well, that's what we have to kind of look at on a case by case basis. If this project had come into us at, you know, 15 cents per we probably would have just passed on it mm-hmm. because of the negotiations and where we got it was a more appealing offer so local is important but we're also not going to throw money over money on every project just to say it's local i think um, it's about having a diversified portfolio and it's about doing what's best for the um, ratepayers. Um when we got down to the numbers you could you know the percentages were somewhat off-putting, but when you got down to the numbers, I think we figured it was about $3 per person per year more to do a local project. And we've got a lot of surveys that have been done over the last few years, on the light and power end strictly, that say our ratepayers prefer when they have the option to have local projects. They prefer green options. They're willing to pay a bit of a premium for that. So that's what we do. Um, we factor that in as well. But we are trying to be mindful of the true economic costs. Um, there was a comment made last night that some of us don't struggle to pay our bills or, or something along those lines. And and. I'm a single person who pays my own mortgage and pays my own bills. I think about the cost every time. I'm I'm not sitting around with piles of money that I can spend, so it's very real to a lot of us. Um, you know, we're a relatively young commission, and um, you know, n- most of us are out working in the world still. So, um, the, the economic factors are very important, but renewable energy is a goal and we think that this, as Doug mentioned, this is the time to do it because it is becoming more affordable and it is the wave of the future and it is how we stay relevant. So it's kind of a case by case, but there are always these underlying factors that we're considering for every one that comes to us.
0: So, so then Doug, if you had to take that same set of parameters, local, mm-hmm. renewable, affordable, and reliable, um, you know, you're know, kind of, I talked about the fact there's this push in certain, within the business community to, to have this kind of value added marketing, how do you think they rank those things? Because on the opposite side of that, you know, small businesses um, an increase in my electric bill is impactful. So I, ha- you know, yeah. so how do you think they they rank those things?
1: Well, we ask our our businesses that uh, all the time, what's most important to you about energy, and we expect them to say affordability. And what they what they consistently come back with is reliability. And so, uh, you know, on behalf of our members, uh, I would I would rank reliable as the top so if a city said we're going to be a hundred percent renewable but we're not sure that we can always have the power on uh, I don't think anybody would go for it and then you know the 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 part of this that that Grand Rapids did uh, the the mayor of Grand Rapids really said most of what they did was through energy efficiency and then they also worked really closely with their um, major utility there and and got a lot of breaks that the normal business or normal customer wouldn't because it was a great demonstration project but his caution was similar to to what we we see in other communities that were where, where a major user like the city the college whatever goes 100% renewable he said in Grand Rapids what they effectively did at that time was they sucked up all of the available renewable energy so people that wanted to do that or other businesses that would like to have done the same thing really didn't have the same options in terms of energy source that that, that uh, they had for the city. But energy efficiency is still, it may be the largest source of renewable energy. Um, t- Tony probably know more about that. I actually don't. That's actually my question is
2: when, when you're talking about energy efficiency and 100% goal, is energy efficiency 20% of that goal or 50%? You say it's a large part, but you can't go down to zero. You can't save down to zero and 50% is a lot. So I, I gotta believe energy efficiency is in that 10, 20% range.
3: Um, just to jump in on that one, that's actually been part of the discussion we've been having at the commission level um, and to the question earlier about, you know, what did we why did we vote on this? We all had our reasons for voting on it, but as we discuss more, there's been some things that have come out about, um, the understandings of how this would work. So Mayor Carothers, um, because of Grand Rapids example, which, um, is going to be, is a very different example ultimately than what Trevor City is planning to do. Um, they, they weren't able to do a lot through EO. However, they're not at a hundred percent yet and they're, they're I think they're only at 30. Um, and so to your point, Tony, you know, I think Trevor City's, it's looking like we're waiting for the official numbers will fall somewhere in 20 to 30% range because we do have a lot mm-hmm. of old buildings and infrastructure that once we update those, that's gonna be a big jump right away. So that does leave us that gap in between that will have to be from energy sourcing, um, despite what a couple of people on the commission or one might have thought that it was going into it. But but um, that is the truth. You can't get down to, to 100 or you can't get to 100% by definition just from efficiency models because that you're still getting that energy from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that bigger discussion that not just needs to be happened when people look at these initiatives, but also in the public, you know, again, going back to that public understanding of clarifying and just explaining when we can, yeah. which is why this is great too, but yeah.
2: <laughs> going back to Grand Rapids, you said they're at 30%.
3: I, I've read or, that recently. So don't hold yeah. me hundred percent on it. Yeah.
2: So uh, their goal is to be at a hundred percent by 2020. Mm-hmm and they've been talking about this for years and they're only at 30 percent so it begs the question how much of it is a marketing ploy for business and to get them to move to the city and how much is reality it appears that grand rapids is going to have a tough time to get to 100 percent by 2020
1: yeah i think they took the the low-hanging fruit is gone The, the the efficiencies are in place and uh... Uh, they're sort of waiting on the market to to have more options in terms of renewability but uh, uh, renewable sources but um you know they're on the right track yeah you know, and, and, Agreed. and and to to set up a lofty goal is 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 not bad but I think you're right it should be honest and yeah
2: they should be talking about we're at 30% right yeah and and the Instead other
3: they
1: talk about well we're we're a hundred percent. Yeah. We're in that group of cities that said a hundred percent.
3: Yeah. They're at, they're in that group of cities. I've said it, but the difference too, that, um, you know, in our case and others, um, we have a city owned municipal mm-hmm. electric company. So that gives us more of a, you know, as, as Doug mentioned, they, um, Grand Rapids was able to work with consumers a little bit on some breaks that others might not have gotten with us and light and power. What we're able to do is we are able to kind of look at the whole, um, Offers, offerings that are brought to light and power and see where we can work into those which I think makes it both um, a little bit I don't want to say easier for us because obviously it's a process that's in a new process but um, that gives us more options for how we can you know balance out that other 70% and it also um, gives us more um, leverage for for negotiating these things and it, it just kind of puts us on a, a different field that I think will allow us if not by 2020, you know, 2021 or, you know, that budget year, cause we split the years sure. obviously to be a lot closer than Grand Rapids, because we do have those options of entering into, um, power purchase agreements with, you know, light and power behind us. And, and that reliability factor, I think is a little bit more solid with us yeah. than because of that.
2: How aggressive do you think, uh, light and power and the city will be? Cause you have the opportunity to wait for offers to come to you, or you have the opportunity to RFP for offers and get there quicker. What do you think the strategy will be? Wait for offers or go out and find offers?
3: I have a feeling we'll be doing, and don't hold me to this, I'm one vote on the like, power <laughs> I board. Absolutely, but, understand, uh, I understand. But, <laughs> but no, I think that we will actually end up doing an RFP oh. Because it is a little bit different than what, um, in timeline, it's a little different than what the board, the Light and Power Board itself is looking at versus the city commission board. That said, um, you know, in a couple of the meetings, Tim Ahrens has mentioned that uh, he has, he knows of some projects, uh, renewable energy projects that are out there that will be bringing to the Light and Power Board that a lot of us don't have the details yet because they haven't been released. That might be something that the city looks at you know, buying a portion of it. To Doug's point also earlier, you know, Grand Rapids ended up sucking up a lot of these opportunities. I think th- what, by working with Light & Power, the city won't do that because there are going to be a lot of large purchase options that we'll be able to take advantage of.
0: Yeah, and, and I was actually on the panel with Mayor Hartwell, so I, I, was, yeah. I was right there when he was talking about yeah. it. And one thing, that, you're absolutely right, them not having a municipal utility, but the other piece that makes Traverse City different is just a scale piece. So mm. if you took a one megawatt solar project and handed it to Grand Rapids, it would bump them from, you know, whatever, 30% to 32%. You take a a one-megawatt solar project and hand it to Traverse City, and it bumps you 10 to 15%. So I think that's another piece that factors into their ability to get to their goal. But that said, I want to go back just for a second to the energy efficiency piece because I distinctively remember Mayor Hartwell talking about how they didn't anticipate early on how big of a role that needed to play, and so they started pursuing renewables and suddenly realized, why are we why are we committing to renewables before we figured out how we can bring our load down? And Doug, I know the chamber has a lot of programs available, but what what's the best way, or how do we help a city kind of do that big picture? You've got a ton of buildings; there are a lot of them are old, like. How do, you, how do you get there so you make sure you're not pursuing renewables for load that you could have shed with re- efficiency?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I wish I knew the answer, to tell you the truth, because the opportunities certainly certainly exist, and the incentives for people to, to do it residentially or as commercial businesses have been incentivized. Uh, there, the, the, We work with uh, Traverse C Light and Power on an energy efficiency loan program for commercial businesses in the in Traverse City and, and it's had some success. that's gonna be my fun fact. The, um, <laughs> but um, and, and there's a, a rooftop solar program and uh, groundworks has been working on this. They've got a full-time person. They've had a full-time person for quite some time. The uh, Cherryland has been working with light and power on the solar piece of it. I think a lot of it is, is education, um, some of it is a matter of trust, that, that uh, a business is not going to find itself doing a lot of these things that we consider very good about energy efficiency and then down the road not have um, the things that it needs. The, the, the upfront cost is, is intimidating on a large scale. So even though there are ways to address upfront costs and you do it in your business with your customers, uh, it, they st- it's still a matter of perception and the people that need to know don't know. And I know that that's been a challenge for us and it's been a challenge for Light and Power. I think it's a challenge for all of the utilities to just to, to let their customers know what's actually available and, and have them hear the message.
0: Well, I, I kind of think, yeah, this, is, this is gonna be my PR hat on, Energy efficiency has a PR problem that renewables don't have, right? So, like, you you talked about businesses and the marketing potential. Like, you'll uh, you'll see a business put two solar panels on their roof and market that and, oh, we're a green business. But they put that equivalent amount of money into making their business more efficient, which is great and smart to do because it saves them money. And...
2: new windows insulation is not sexy it's not that's 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 true a a spinning blade a a solar panel is is hot and sexy
0: but that's an area then where a city has the potential to really lead because you can help i don't know if you can make energy efficiency sexy but you can at least make it more visible and help kinda drive it to the forefront of this conversation i
3: Mm -hmm. think well and we are look um, we will be i believe Again, don't want me to it because I don't have my numbers in front of me, but um the light and power and I believe um our water and sewage which is run by the city um are moving towards AMI electric metering this year. So one of the things that will be available to our customers by doing that is able ability to check where your usage is at. And we've talked early we talked briefly and, and there's some other discussions that'll be had after, um in as a board, as a light and power board. There's our way, there are ways you can make that then, maybe not sexy, but a little more fun. I hate to say it, we all like our phones and our apps. And these programs and these, um, you know, this new efficiency model will have an app that goes with it and other ways that you can check in. So it's not going to be, You know, um, um, I can't think of anything as big as Pokemon Go on a phone for in the last <laughs> year, so I'll go back to that year old reference. But um, there's going to be ways for people to interact a little bit more with it that at least will hopefully get them more keyed in and tuned into it, if it even if it's not as fun. But like yeah, what like I was saying, it's more it's mm-hmm. more interesting to look on your computer and see little ups and downs than talking about Windows. It sure is. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: When you can look on your phone and see your daily usage, some people get into that, and they will play that number game to see if they can drive that number down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, shameless plug to Cherryland members listening. Uh, check out Smart Hub app on your phone, and you can check your usage and monitor through RAMI system. Right. I can't, can't yeah. resist an opportunity to tell <laughs> them. I want to um, – I want to make sure we talk about this and we have time for it. And that is the importance of of baseload generation. So that kind of core amount of electricity you need to to power your city every day. Um, I did a little research. Currently, one of the only cities in the U.S. that has reached its 100% renewable goals is Aspen, Colorado. So as of 2015, they were 100% renewable. And their load consisted of 46% hydro, 53% wind, and 1% landfill gas. Another city that has been successful is Burlington, Vermont. I don't have how it breaks down, but the, the bulk of their renewables is uh, biomass and hydro. So biomass, hydro, they are basal generation. They're dispatchable. You can turn them on and off whenever you need them. It's not as um, intermittent as wind and solar. So I want to talk through, and this is dirty water. I know that, but mm-hmm. you know, the city got rid of dams, they were old, whatever, um, had Quite a big debate over biomass like what what's are you going to tackle that or
3: i i hate i to be honest right now i don't think we're ready to quite get into tackling the base load as we we've been talking about we're just getting our feet wet and kind of getting our arms around what this renewable goal is going to be and how we're going to do it that's not to say that's out of the possibilities in the nearer future you know will i still be on the commission you know, that's a, those are all these political questions that don't factor into these things. The truth is that's what we're marching towards, though. And the question is, how do we do it? Um, so one of the advantages Traverse City does have, though, is, well, we're not, this won't be our base load and, you know, and solve all that. Um, if you look at our highest usages and days and, in general, our high use peak times, it's during the day. And it's during, the biggest days are during the day when it's, you know, 95, that net, those couple 95 degree days in the middle of the summer, which is why we, you know, especially solar is appealing to us because that is when, you know, it will, it will like provide all of our base load. No, but it will help us immensely on the days that we see in our trending that are the most, um, high use days. You know, people have their air conditioning is running, they're in offices, their computers are going, everything else is going, or they're home watching TV. That's, when we need the most energy and that's when we are naturally able to provide it which we are benefit we have a little bit of a benefit in that regard that our peaks are during the day and not at night when people come home we're not a bedroom community we're a functional all-day community
1: you know hydro and 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 biomass are are two of the most despised forms of energy production in the environmental advocacy community because they're they're really wasteful of, of other resources. The hydroelectric, you know, you have to build dams, you change river systems, you, you use acreage uh, that could be used otherwise. Uh, biomass is still burning carbon fuels. And so, you know, those typically don't, aren't talked about in the bucket. But, you know, the um, other forms of renewable energy are, are will, will take a, uh, a great public will to make them happen, they'll need to be incentivized, they'll need to be subsidized, they'll need to be uh, ordinances that allow them to be put into the r- rural communities where they'll mostly go and uh, they need to stay innovative. And, and I think to a certain extent and a much smaller extent, but when you make a major investment in a windmill, for instance, uh, windmill technology is changing all the time. So you put in a, what's a windmill cost? hundred dollars? A lot. Oh, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> it's in the millions. Yes. Yeah. you make this investment of millions of dollars in, in a windmill. It, it produces two megawatts of energy. Uh, and, and five years later, a new technology has come along. that A windmill half the size will produce twice the energy. Well, you still mm-hmm. you have that sunk cost in your old windmill. It's a lot like what the utilities, the traditional utilities have found themselves in with their coal-powered plants and then their natural gas plants. And so to say, well, you need to abandon those plants and go to solar fields and windmills. Just it takes a long time to do it. So it, it takes patience and it takes public will. It takes a, it, and it's going to take money, and pe- we're going to have to pay for it one way or the other.
0: I, I, I'm glad that you pointed that out. And um, one thing, when you were talking earlier about how the business community, like you know, regularly ranks reliability as the most important thing for them, that's the piece that always makes me nervous. Like I. I, I i'm 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 that generation you're talking about, Amy, right? That young generation that well, younger, um, mm-hmm. that like wants to see innovative new technologies, but I also don't want to see us disregard the role those older technologies play in that reliability model. And it makes me nervous that, you know, solar and wind are the only thing anybody wants to talk about or build because we can't, we truly cannot power the communities we live in today reliably with solar and wind. It's not possible, mm-hmm. true.
3: But as we're talking about these, though, I mean literally probably right now, as we're talking about it the the same generation that is concerned about it is also the generation of new innovative leaders. And so you look at Elon Musk as coming out like pretty rapidly i'm and I'm not saying that they'll be our you know be all and end all, but you know, they're already looking at the solar roof tiles. They're already looking at the batteries to be able to c- harvest some of this energy that maybe isn't as reliable as it could be right now. In, you know, let's say using our 2020 goal, by that goal, are, are there is there gonna be something that's gonna help make those two sources, wind and and solar more reliable or more, um, you know, the go-to? No, it's probably not gonna be by then. But, you know, if you're talking about millennials, I, I would, putting money down that whole dollar, let's say, I'm willing to put my dollar down on a bet because that that's that's going to be where it's going to be going in their lifetime and hopefully in my own and hopefully in all of ours, because it is moving so fast. Technology moves fast. Um, You know, everybody was impressed by the Internet 20 years ago and now it's part of our day to day life and has changed so much of how we do things, including metering. Now we're you know, we've got all these technologies to build on to move even quicker to newer and more efficient solutions. So right now, I agree with you, but I'm, I'm a little bit, dare I say, hopeful that, <laughs> that we'll get to more functional uses for these in a shorter period of time than we've ever thought possible.
1: Yeah, I think we'll see more distributed energy sources, people putting in more of the types of things you're talking about, with, especially as the technology and the battery technology improves. But there again, you still need a system you're always going to need the grid it's and someone has to pay for the grid all the users pay for the grid
2: right and Mm -hmm. continue to need to um yeah i i I just i'll give you the the biomass option that that's not popular that the hydro one is the one we need to get over we have a lot of hydro in this country that makes electricity affordable to just discard hydro i think is a mistake as technologies advance they're advancing on the hydro end as well so we can generate more electricity with the same water we've always had and the water runs 24 7 and a lot of those dams have been in place 50 60 70 years and and they're still capable of producing electricity so i'd I'd hate to see us uh, put hydro
1: in the same bucket as biomass but i think looking at new new projects building a new hydro project.
2: Not gonna Very happen, difficult. yeah, not, not gonna happen, but we can upgrade the ones we have and we can work on that technology. But at the same time, building wind in renewable, uh, wind in rural areas, that's gonna be tougher and tougher. We're seeing that in Michigan, you know, the, the thumb is full of wind, they don't want any more. So where are we gonna put it? Benzie County didn't want it years ago. So we're, we're talking about all kinds of new technology with wind, but I'm walking around with a wind turbine and I don't know where to put it. And that's part of our problem.
1: Well, it gets yeah. back to our reliability issue and where the energy comes from. And in Michigan's recent policy uh, debate about energy, we, we took a very strong position that we wanted our power to come from Michigan produced power. And, and, and really to get to more wind, you have to buy your, your power from Oklahoma, Kansas, exactly. exactly. South Dakotas. And and so you you put your you put your local companies your Michigan companies at risk when when the power is not being built in our opinion,
2: mm-hmm. and we have developers who are unable to build in Michigan right now and that's, to me that's a frustration and a detriment to the increasing technology. You can have the most efficient windmill in the world, but if you have no place to put it on in Michigan.
3: But a little bit of that I think goes to, there's been a lot of things going out now about the marketing too. The terminology that is used often by um, the green companies, and the green energy initiatives, the the common you know, nomenclature that's used right now has some very negative connotations with certain parts of the population. So the, there's a movement now to start using different terms about, instead of uh, renewable energy, energy independence. And as we move towards those, if that's really the tact, sudden, I think that's the way that you can get through to some of the communities. I mean, I, I was just driving from downstate this weekend, and you know, all the wind, the wind farm in Ithaca that you can see right from the, mm-hmm. the freeway and things like that. There is, there is, as you said, Tony, the space to do this. We just need to figure out how to make it work. And I think some of that too. again, what we were talking about, energy efficiency and making it sexy, I think part of it is you have to make the energy efficiency in your region, it coming to your region, something that's appealing. You have to talk about jobs, you have to talk about independence, you have to talk about these in the real they're not just buzzwords that is really what it is to everybody's point here to be uh have reliability you need to be have some independent access to and that's how it needs to be sold instead of look at this we're doing this for the world 50 years from now 100 years from now that's true but you also need i think as the tone starts changing more towards the immediate payback for the area that's giving up the space it can start to change the conversation a little bit
0: so we're, we're almost out of time, but I, f- I feel like we've just covered a lot of really good ground. And the, the thing for me that I kind of keep hearing bubbling up is, one, there's not just one answer, right? It needs to it needs to be a, a, it's a complicated problem, and therefore it's going to require a pretty robust solution that includes various dip- different types of generation, probably some political movement, right? Some marketing movement, mm-hmm. uh, energy efficiency, renewables, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm excited to hear from you, Amy, that the city isn't just doing a symbolic goal, right, um, but that rather you're, you're serious about looking for solutions that are, um, that consider all the different options, I think that's a, a great place for our city to be. And Doug, I'm excited that the business community is supporting that as well. So we are ready to move to co-op fun facts. Tony, you want to kick us off?
2: Sure. Cherryland Electric had its annual meeting in June, and for the first time ever, we had online voting. And we had our highest vote tally ever at 2,474 votes. And (laughs) of of that, uh, over 1,500 were done online for the first time in our 79-year history. Mm -hmm. And compared to last year, we were at 1,170 total votes. So we more than doubled our voter tally with the online, and we're hoping that continues.
1: Yeah, Doug? Uh, For us, our uh, access to capital division, Venture North that you mentioned earlier, Since starting its energy efficiency loan fund with Traverse City Light and Power, has uh, uh, made ten loans to seven companies, and those companies have saved more than a million kilowatt hours of energy, which is enough to uh, power approximately 100 households in Traverse City. So, uh, if we can do it with with seven companies, uh, imagine what we could do if we can get a lot more. So, thanks for and Power for being our partner on that.
2: Can, can you name some of those companies and
1: yeah, who are leading the way in energy uh, efficiency? Grand Traverse Industries, Britain Banners, Signs Now, Bill Marsh Automotive, Radio Center One, The Beverage Company, which we all love. <laughs> yes, we do. And Budget Luxury Inn great. in awesome. Traverse City.
3: Great. That's awesome. That's great. Well, we're happy to help with that and continue to work towards that uh, goal together. Um, mine's a little less energy specific. Um, a lot of people don't know that the city of Traverse City is actually 40% not taxable. And while a small portion of that is because of churches as a non- churches and nonprofit entities, the large part of it is, is because we have so much parkland. And as people, talk, I think a lot of times when Traverse City gets mentioned and we talk about energies and things, people think of development and how we build and conversations of, or even debates about building. Um, but we have a, we have preserved a lot of parkland in the city in our little three by three square mile city. Um, there's pocket parks all over. There's obviously the the open space is a big one that everyone can see. But most neighborhoods have at least one small park. Um, some have them kind of tucked away. So. Um, that's something I'm actually very proud of that we do. I often hear people say, well, when this becomes available, turn into a park. And I just want to say, go find the parks that are in your neighborhood already. I think people don't know about them (laughs) and and it's a, and it's a fun game you can play. So, um, you know, I'm I'm very proud of the fact that we have preserved that much to keep access for people in every corner of the town. And I, I hope anybody listening to us might go check some out sometime. It's great to do in the summer. We have, a, we have a ton to be proud of as a city, I agree.
0: Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, the privilege here of talking directly to some of Cherryland's municipalities because we do serve several townships and counties, um, with my fun fact. So we're, we're still finalizing some contracts, but Cherryland is currently 20% renewable. So just so you know, if you're one of those municipalities, that's where you're at. And we are on track to be 50% carbon free by 2018. So it's something we're really proud of
1: by the end of the year,
0: by, by 2018. Yep. So we're we're very proud of that fact. And, um, I, I I just, for me, the takeaway is Trevor city has a lot of resources available to them. Some of our other municipalities may not feel that they do, but they do. do. And, um, and we're working very hard to help them also have a, a clean, affordable, reliable energy future. So I want to thank you guys for coming out and, and sitting down with us. This was a great conversation. Certainly there was a lot more to be said and, and maybe as you guys continue to move forward with this, we can reconvene and talk about some of it again. And any of our listeners out there, if you have any questions, topic ideas, anything you'd love to hear on this podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to me, Johnson at cherrylandelectric.coop, and uh, maybe we'll have you on an upcoming uh, podcast. So thanks guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.